Hello, ladies and gentlemen. I am O'Brien McMahon, and this is People Business. Every business is in some way a people business. From Silicon Valley to the restaurant down the street, every business relies on groups of people working together toward a common cause. That's no easy task. While the world around us has evolved into a high-tech, interdependent matrix, our individual software is largely the same as it was 10,000 years ago. We are social, emotional animals balancing a need to fit in with a desire to stand out. Bring us together in large groups, put money on the line, and anything could happen. This is a show where current and aspiring business leaders can understand the people dynamics at play in their organizations and learn skills and techniques to improve their chances of long-term business success. This week, I'm joined by Tommy Choi, co-founder and CEO of Weinberg Choi Residential and Keller Williams Lincoln Park. Tommy co-founded the Weinberg Choi Residential team in 2007 with his business partner, Josh Weinberg. They celebrated the opening of their own Keller Williams brokerage in January of 2017. The Weinberg Choi residential team has sold over 1,000 properties and over $470 million in sales volume. They are consistently ranked in the top 10 real estate teams in Chicago, which puts them in the top 1% of Chicago Association of Realtors' top producers. Tommy also served as the 135th president of the Chicago Association of Realtors and the first Korean-American president in the association's 135-year history. He also serves as an active member of the Illinois Realtors and was the chair of the National Association of Realtors YPN Advisory Board and will be the vice president of Association Affairs for the National Association of Realtors in 2021. In this conversation, we get into a lot about how he built his business, how he built his teams, and how he continues to evolve and develop his teams, talking uh, really heavily about how they create culture, how they show gratitude in their workplace, how they give back to the community through service projects, and then how they grow a healthy and thriving business while doing all of that at the same time. Even though he has a small business, I think the lessons that he shares here really apply to businesses of all sizes and teams of all sizes. And I think kind of wherever you come at this from, you're going to get a lot out of it. So uh, I really enjoyed it. Tommy's a great leader, a, a great human being. And so without further ado, here is Tommy Joy. We'll go live in three, two, one, and we're live with Tommy Choi. Tommy, how are you doing today? I'm great, man. How are you? I'm doing very well. Thank you for uh, coming on the show today. Look forward to chatting a little bit about your business and your leadership and uh, just how you think about the different dynamics that go into running a business. I'm grateful for you having me. Now, do your listeners know that we're look we see each other virtually right now? I, I think you could assume now with okay. all the technology, everybody's okay. been using Zoom long enough. Uh, while they won't be able to see us, we can see each other at least, which makes us at least a little bit more of a normal conversation. You know what's interesting? I know this might sound weird, but whenever I listen to podcasts and it's an interview, I always wonder that if it's, okay, are they in studio or are they digital, virtually seeing each other video conference or is this like a call-in? Because I do feel like when there's no visual piece, it's a different dynamic in an, oh, 100%. Inter in an interview, you know, when it's just like audible, you know, cause you can't really gauge, you know, feeling as the host of a show about people, I should know this number, but 
I, what is the the nonverbal communication? Seventy percent of communication. Yes. Yeah. So, something like that. Yeah. Even just even as you're talking, the encouragement that somebody can give you by looking at you, you know, with a smile or by nodding their head or just just even by looking you in the eye and seeming engaged, right? Like you lose that over the phone. It, it can be tough. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that I get to see you today because we're not seeing too many people these days. I know. I know. I know. I'm grateful. Yeah. Well. Would love to kick it off just with, I mean, I, I read your bio and everything, but I would love for you to just kick off a little bit of, you know, who you are and, and what your business is. Yeah. So, you know, um, Tommy Choi from Chicago, born and raised um, and first generation uh, Chicago and American. My parents and, and grandparents, they immigrated to the north side of the city, Irving Park and Lincoln for anyone in Chicago. Um, in the seventies from South Korea. So, um, that being said, right. I'm every single person on my dad's side who immigrated to, um, to America, all small business owners. So that's in my DNA. That's what I watched growing up. And so it was only natural when I gave it a shot in the corporate world that, you know, I said, Hey, I need to, you know, build something. And so for the past 14 years, um, with my business partner, Josh Weinberg, uh, who's also my best friend we met in college, uh, defied those odds, um, friends going into business with each other. Uh, we built um, a, a pretty large real estate uh, company. Um, so it started as a bro boutique brokerage called Weinberg Choi Realty. Uh, we opened officially June 1st, 2007. And then, you know, we grew that uh, to being a top 10 team in the city of Chicago out of 16,000 agents. And then um, in 2016, we had the opportunity to purchase a Keller Williams uh, franchise and, and bring that to downtown Chicago. And since then, we've grown that to, you know, just north of 200 agents, um, top 10 brokerage in the city. I think we're officially number six or seven. I should know this. Um, but of the top 10, we are the smallest, um, in, in salespeople and body count. And so we're the most productive, um, uh, when it comes to single agent production. So yeah, that's me. And then obviously, you know, being involved from a business standpoint too, you know, I'm huge about giving back and I'm a servant leader when it comes to that. And especially serving this industry that's been so kind to me. Uh, so I have my hands in that. I just wrapped up in 2019 my term as the president of the Chicago Association of Realtors, which is the fifth largest local uh, real estate association in the country, which feeds into the National Association of Realtors, which is obviously the largest, uh, maybe not obvious, but it is the largest trade um, organization in the world. Uh, 1.4 million uh, paid members. Really? Yeah. I, did that, I didn't know that. Yeah, so we're uh, we're the largest, and also because of that, obviously, also one of the most uh, influential when it comes to uh, policy in Washington and, and live lobbying and, and fighting for private property rights. So yeah, so that was cool. I was a 135th president um, and the first Korean American president in the association's 135 year history. Uh, next year in 2021, if that's what, no, yeah, 21, sorry. D days feel like months right now, right? Yeah, nobody knows what day it <laughs> nobody is. Nobody right knows now. what it is, yes. Yeah. So, yeah, in 2021, I, um, 
I'm going to be the vice president of the National Association of Realtors. So that's, um, that's the, and that is an appointed position. So the highest appointed position and um, super cool and honored. The president in 21 will be a guy named Charlie Appler out of New Jersey. Um, awesome guy. So yeah, really cool to, to, to do that and give back and, you know, be a business uh, owner as well. Yeah. Well, that's fantastic. And I mean, first of all, congratulations on finishing your term. Congratulations on the term next year. And I know, you know, you and I have known each other for a while and uh, the work that you do in the industry. I mean, that's, you don't get to that position by accident. That's well-deserved. So congratulations. Appreciate that, man. And, and that's the thing. That's what I love about you and kind of how our paths cross is that, you know, obviously I just shared a snippet of being a servant leader to the industry, but you and I both are, are servant leaders to our community and, um, you know, through um, Embark uh, yeah. is, 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 you know, how you, actually you're the one that got me involved there. And so, you know, you are uh, inspire me and fuel me to continue to give back as well, too. Well, we're, we're going to talk about uh, gratitude and service and some of that, because I know that that's a big part, not just of who you are, but how you built your business. And so, I definitely want to get into that. I want to start though, kind of at the beginning or, or start small. You know, you mentioned that your family is all small business owners. Yep. Um, did your did your parents' business have employees, or was it them running their own business? Great question. They did, but um, one or two, right? And and may and to be honest with you looking back at it it may be only a handful that were full time and a lot of part time you know and that's you know so it's interesting you know part of it also is a little bit culturally too in the korean community uh, you see a lot of small business owners and entrepreneurs um but you know something that was um while i got to look under the hood of the car watching my parents watching my aunts and uncles uh, predominantly the industry that they were in was were dry cleaners and um i saw how how much hard work it took right to build a business um however that being said i never got to see what it looks like to scale up on a uh, successful business because you know culturally it was a different mindset it was more so being your own boss and so they were you know uh, working for their business so to say versus the goal that I had going to business with Josh was owning our business, right? Which are two different things in my opinion. And so, um, yeah, to, to your point, they did have employees, but, but not many, you know, to stay profitable when you're running a small, small business like that, it's a lot of your own human capital, right? So that you, you keep your expenses low. And so, um, you know, they didn't really grasp the idea of actually it's not so much adding expense. It's an investment into being able to, produce more, generate more revenue, right? To stay profitable. Um, and that's fine because that was not their vision or aspiration, right? They were happy to, to be that small business owner. Well, and every business is different, right? And the, the dynamics are different and the goals are different and how you choose to scale or not scale that business. I mean, there's no, there's no right or wrong way to do Absolutely. that. You know, we've been living in sort of the culture where the unicorns have been glorified Mm -hmm. And a lot of times rightfully so, because it's tremendous what they've been able to do and, and impact society and, you know, Airbnb changing the way that we travel and, and all that. But, you know, there's incredible value to being your own boss and owning the dry cleaner down the street and being able to, to create your own way. So yeah. there's, there's no wrong. Well, well, there are plenty of wrong ways to do it, but there's no right way to do it, I guess. Absolutely. And you know what, what I think it, it 
goes down to is the vision. And I think that's such an important piece is that, you know, to your point, there's no right or wrong. Some people don't want to be the Apple and Microsoft and Amazon of their industry, but what they're, and what's important is having a clear cut vision of where you want to go and what you do want to achieve and making sure, you know, that's your North star and you're following along the path towards that vision. Yeah. I, I love that. So when, when you started Weinberg Choi, you know, you go out and I imagine in the beginning, it is kind of just being your own boss, you know, to be a broker, you can go out and you can do it on your own, but to grow and build and do the things that you want to do, you, you, to your point, if you want to scale, you need to invest in people to come in and, and leverage you and leverage different skill sets and that kind of thing. What was it like? What was the experience like when you started to bring people on board and, and how did you decide to bring people on board and what was it like? And, you know, was there anything that you learned through that process that maybe surprised yeah, you? Yeah, that's a great question. And you know what I'd say is what, so what we, uh, Josh and I identified so much, it wasn't one day we woke up and said, we need someone, right? Uh, you know, we need help in the form of another human. What we initially recognized was that we need help in some way to build out a system and a model for us to follow. Because up until that point, for the first four, five years of our business, we were what I think a lot of people glorify this day is hustling and grinding, you know? And I'm doing air quotes right now. I just realized no one can see me doing that. Um, and, and they kind of, to your point, I think that gets glorified. Just work hard, don't sleep, whatnot. And it's important, you have to work hard. However, you know, I call that we were running off of just like our God-given talent, right? We were just running off of talent and we hit a ceiling and, you know, it's, it's like, I equate it back and I know you'll uh, understand this because, you know, you, you're an athlete uh, and was an athlete growing up is, you know, there's always that one person, right? It's like the Allen Iverson that didn't need to practice or didn't need to take work out seriously or whatnot, but when it came to game time, they just delivered, right? Because they were just athletically talented and had that capability. That was Josh and I, our first four to five years of business where we were just like, we just knew what it did. We just knew what to do to find business, to convert that business and close that business. Okay. But then what happens is eventually you hit that ceiling where we started and how we knew that was we started to plateau in our numbers. And then you look back, and then you think about those athletes, maybe that are not as physically uh, gifted, like the Steph Curry's, but they implemented a system and they followed a model they created. Whether it was, I'm not going to shower after practice until I swish a hundred free throws. That's what Steph Curry would do, right? I need to take an extra five hundred shots. I need to make sure I get in the weight room following a schedule, right? What that was is a system they created that they're modeling. That person might not hockey stick up in trajectory. It might be a slower curve, but when they hit that ceiling, they're shattering through because now they know what they need to follow to get to a successful point. And they just double down on that. And that was Josh and I, we were the AI, right? Talking about practice. We're just like, we're closing business. We weren't tracking it. We weren't we didn't know how we were getting it, where it was coming from. So we couldn't really recreate it. 
we were just going off the seat of our pants. And, and when that happens, we start to feel burnout because we were starting to see the plateau. We were working harder thinking that's what it was going to do, but we we're seeing the same results. We weren't growing after that four or five years of tremendous growth. And that's where we said, we need to find, we're not, we are not systems people. We can't build it out, right? We'll execute on it and we can cast a vision to guide someone we need to hire someone to help build these systems. And for us at that point was our first admin, right? Someone that could figure out, track how we're getting our business, what are we doing, the metrics and all that. So literally, if someone new came in, they could pick up a piece of paper and like a playbook and know that this is what you need to do to see X in success. And so we did that and um, we learned a lot in doing that. Um, we failed forward a ton, uh, and a lot of that hang up came in the hiring process, right? We did not know what we were doing. We were, I would meet with someone like UOB. I'm like, man, I would love to just have a beer with this guy. This is, he's so cool. Let's hire him, you know? Yeah, sure. And, and it would he's be the be biggest good. mistake. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. He's like me. He reminds me of me, which yeah. is the, the worst thing you can do. Cause you're looking for someone that's opposite of you. So we did a lot of that. Um, and, and ultimately a lot of, um, when we looked back and, the, and it's so important to fall on your face because you, you don't know how to grow unless you have make those mistakes. And we had a ton of, I don't, I don't even call them bad hires cause it's not their fault. It was us making a mistake and hiring them and not setting themselves up for success with us. Right. And what I've learned is really two things. One we touched on it earlier, you have to be crystal clear on what your vision is and make sure that they, whatever their vision is, aligns with that. And two, we throw this word around a lot, culture. And I think that people have, the definition of it has changed. Um, and I hate to be the person that's like, oh, the millennials or whatnot, but that's where I've seen it when this whole, the startup scene started blowing up. I think some people started to think culture was having a keg in your office and like razor scooters to get from conference room to conference room. But, you know, culture is something that you can't touch or see. It's something you feel. And so we didn't have a defined culture early on and a clear vision. And that's why we were making mistakes hiring the you know, good people, but we set them up for failure, you know, with yeah. not, not aligning them. And so that was where we learned. And we, once we honed in on both those, it was lights out. And now we have people on our team that have been with us for five, six, seven years um, that are continuing to grow. Right. Yeah. And so was, I imagine once you got those first pieces of the process figured out, that allowed you then to continue to scale. And then now you can bring people into the system that you've created. Yes. And now the, now the growth happens. Exactly. And you know, that comes down to A plus talent. And so. Well, it comes down to an A plus system too, because totally. you know, I think about this for what I do, because you know, I'm in sales as well. And, and so much time goes into the upfront building of the machine yep. and you can, you can ignore that or skip over it because you just want to get out there and do the thing. And it doesn't have to be sales either. It could be, you know, you're manufacturing something and you just want to get the product out, but the better you build that machine, the better you can use it than when you get out 100%. there and run. And then you can, and then you're not tweaking a broken machine. You're enhancing 
a good machine yeah. and making it better and better and better. Agreed. And, and I completely agree with you on that. And that's where the A plus talent, I think we're speaking the same language here, A plus talent, not just, I'm not saying from the standpoint of like a human that's like knocks out of the park. It's that person that can either build that system, audit the system and say, Hey, why do you all do it like this? What if we tweak it like this? You know, cause the thing we learned is this, you know, in real estate, and I think it can be said about any industry, is that typically when you're feeling like you're drowning and you're hitting that ceiling, you're looking to hire, you're, you're hiring already behind the eight ball, right? So part of it is you want to rush the process. You just want to, you know, this guy looks cool. Let's just hire him. She looks like she's on paper. Oh my gosh, she went to Northwestern. Let's just hire her, right? Because you're rushed to just get someone in, um, you know. When you find that A plus talent, what we've learned is our mindset, we shifted to, you know what, we're hiring someone for not what we need today, but for where we're going, right? Knowing that, yes, today the role, the position you're fulfilling is transaction coordination. However, when we see the vision of what this person across the table is casting and how big of a world that he or she is wanting in five years, that's what makes me salivate because now I know that I need to grow my world that much bigger to fit her or his world in mine. And so I know that, hey, today it's transaction coordination, but this person is A plus talent. This person could replace me down the road. And, and the responsibility in that is making sure that I'm carving out a career path for this person to, and to, so they know that, hey, listen, this is stop one you sh you should be running the company one day right and then that comes down to top grading this term right it's where the new person or the person at the bottom of the totem pole their performance the way they think the way that they you know their uh, emotional intelligence is pulling everyone up with them and so you're constantly top grading and the systems are getting better and better and better because you have this amazing talent that's continually growing and so that is, it's, it's lightning in a bottle. And that's why for us, our process takes long upfront to find that talent and vet that talent. But it's because we're not looking to turn and burn. This isn't a revolving door. We're looking for big thinkers to help grow, you know, that believe in our culture, that are in culture and see the vision and can enhance that. What are the kind of things that you do to perpetuate that culture? I mean, you can say we want to hire the best people, but it's got to be reinforced in other ways. So what are things that you do either in the hiring process or day to day yeah. that, that continue to reinforce that? So, okay. So obviously the, the easy thing um, that everyone I, I'm sure does or whatnot, right? Making sure you're looking at personality types, right? Whether it's a DISC task. We in Keller Williams have, uh, it's called the KPA, Keller Personality Assessment, but it's like an in-house disc test. That's only like 20% of it to see if, okay, what, you know, what is their love language? How, how are they? Are they high D, high I, high S, high C, whatever it is, right? But then what we do that's a little bit different that lengthens the process is we take the candidate. So once that happens, and they know the role, it's clear and whatnot. We do resume review. The next step we move on to, um, which is in person, is what we call life story. And so this is where literally we are, you and I are in the room, 
and I'm whiteboarding your entire life. And I'm telling you, O'Brien, you can start wherever you want to start. You can go back to first grade if you want. You can go post-college. You know, it's up to you. But, you know, I just want to know, you know, what's the first memorable experience, you know, that, that comes to mind when, when you bring it up. And, and sometimes it might be college and you might say, yeah, you know, I went to Miami of Ohio, you know, I did this and whatever. And, and we're asking questions of, you know, tell us about a win during that time. Tell us about, you know, uh, a time you failed, you know, how did that make you feel? And then when, when someone brings up work experience, cause it usually goes to there and it goes to present day, Obviously, we also ask about salary and things like that, not because we want to know what they made, but it's important uh, through all this, right, is when we look at it, and the final thing we do in that is, that I, you know, I will say, O'Brien, this is, this is an incredible life you live so far. If you were to name, title this, if this was a book or a movie, what would you, what would you call it? And what it is is this. One, it allows for you to get an understanding of how this person is. If someone, if you start saying, yeah, you know what? I left this job because this person sucked and this person was, was terrible and I hated this. And you see patterns. And if the pattern is, wow, this person just likes to throw people under the bus and won't own up to something that they did that wasn't a good fit, right? Or if I see t like 30 jobs in the span of you know two years, that's not a bad thing, but understanding what, why that's happened, right? Figuring out the patterns and patterns of like perseverance, patterns of, you know, things that they had to go through that might've been traumatic that won't show up in your resume, right? So that's huge. And the thing about this. Can I, can I ask you a question about yeah, that real quick? Yeah, please. How candid do you get with the candidates that you don't hire about how they came off in that process? So we don't like, it's not like a right or wrong. So we don't say it's like an audition or we're not saying like, you know, Brian, you weren't a right fit. You know, if, you know, your sophomore year, you didn't get arrested, you know, you would have moved on, right? It's a journey we're taking together, right? And it gets pretty, it, they get pretty candid with us. I'm, I'm like emotionless. I'm not even saying like, oh my gosh, that's so traumatic. How did you, you know? And it's not because I'm cold hearted because I want to be, I want to, I want to be reserved. I, it's their story. And here's a, here's a great thing about it. We do this every year with every single staff member, employee of our team. We refresh these and also Josh will do it on me and I'll do it on Josh because the thing is in this process, when you've gone through life story during this hiring process, one, if it is the person that connects, they're in now, right? And so they're willing to take however long it takes this process to see this. And two, when you do hire this person, you've gone through this emotional journey together that when I need to have a tough conversation with you or you have to have a tough conversation with me, it's not combative, right? We, we understand each other and it's coming from a place of curiosity, right? Versus blame. And so... It's such an important piece. Um, and then the next, I think, important piece in this process is we go into the four quadrants, we call them. And, and we basically literally draw four squares. And we say, hey, this one's going to be uh, money. This one's going to be, you know, family. The last two, you can pick whatever boxes you want, right? And, and, and before they even pick, I say, what I want to ask you is, 
in these, in these boxes, when it comes to finances and comes to job, you know, if it's health, if it's family or relationship, five years from now, if we're in this room and we're celebrating you and your successes, I want to know what's happened in your life regarding finances, health, job, family that's caused us to celebrate. And why this is important is because once again, what I mentioned, having a big vision and big goals and big picture, that's what I want because that's going to push me as their leader, right? And so that's where I want to know that this person for family is saying, you know what, December 31st, 2025, we are at Disney World and we're spending New Year's Eve there and we're staying at the Floridian and we got the penthouse suite and I have both sets of in-laws there and I paid for this vacation. You know, that's the stuff that gets me going. I'm like, wow, this person's thought about this. Same thing when they're, you know, you know, when it comes to finances, I like, you know, it's not like I'm looking for someone to say, you know, I want to be a, a millionaire in five years. And I want you to be a billionaire, right? I want it to be thoughtful and thought out. Because that tells me that they have goals that they really want to achieve, right? They might say, you know, I want to I be making $150,000. And I'll be like, well, what's so important about $150,000? And it's like, you know what? You know, my, my parents are, you know, older. They're sick. I want to be able that, you know, I know I need X to live. I want to be able to put X away. And I want to put X to pay for their bills and whatnot or whatever. So I know that this goes back to, right? their big why. I know what's fueling them when they come into the office. It's not just a paycheck. It tells you about their values too. Totally. 100%. So th those are the two big pieces that, you know, in our process that are, you know, maybe they're unconventional. You know, I, I at least I, I know no one ever asked me that when I was, you know, applying for, you know, Baskin Robbins when I was 16, you know, where do you want to be in five years? You know, but, um, but, this is where we have buy-in from people. They know that we are not you. We're not hiring you because I look at you as revenue or profit, right? This is this is we have to fuel a business to be able to fuel each other's big lives. But this is more than that, right? This is this is helping you build build your legacy, right? Which is that's that's our vision, and so. That, you know, those two pieces are huge. The, you know, the other thing I'll share with you, and hopefully I feel like I'm, you know, going too deep into this. No, this is great. You know, what, I, what we also love doing is when we get references, because we do reference checks, because that's super important. We go three deep, meaning this. Whatever reference you give me, let's say you put Caitlin down, right? Obviously, I know Caitlin's not going to say anything bad about you because you're teeing yourself up with the right people. When we do our reference checks... And we, you know, talk with Caitlin after we speak, we're like, Hey, you know what? This has been awesome. Really grateful for your time. I know Brian appreciates this. Who is someone else that I should be calling that knows a Brian, right? And now she's going a second level deep, right? Now she might say, Oh, Imran Khan. Yeah. I'm like, Oh, how do they know each other? Like he runs this nonprofit and OB's on the board. Now I'm calling Imran, right? And then I'm asking him the same thing because I want to get three deep. And what we've learned in this process, it's not because I'm trying to discover skeletons in someone's closet, but I want to be able to get super unbiased, you know, um, thoughts from them. And, and what's happened is I've gotten people 
coworkers, coworkers, coworkers that like knew that I would have never even reached and, and no one badmouthed anyone, but they were true and honest in this stuff. I'm like, you know, what, what's something that they can improve upon? And what, every time, whatever these people say to a T when we have one-on-ones, it's that it's like, yeah, you know what, when, when, you know, Josh gets, um, you know, a lot of things thrown at him, he gets flustered and, and it's, you know, and he, he might need some handholding when it comes to that. And literally when we're in the first situation where that happens, it's like, you know what, these people said this. So now we know how to address it and, and work yeah. with it, you know? Yeah. So it gives you that, it gives you more credible, not more credible, but additional, additionally credible sources to help give you another look at it, right? It's piecing together this pizza, this puzzle that gives you a 360 degree look around who this person is. So that, the question that comes to my mind then is you're not looking for perfect people. Mm-mm. You're just looking to get to know the people. So how, what is it that you're looking for then in that? Because like you just said, you, you want to know the things that could go wrong, not so that you can kick them out of the process, but so that you can get ahead of it when they're performing for you. Right. So then, so then how are you making the decision on whether somebody fits for you or not? Great question. So the biggest piece, I'd say 80% of the piece what we're looking for is, are they a cultural fit? And so our culture is something that we have dug a deep moat around to protect. And so for us, because here's the thing is, you know, you also have to understand when you add that new player onto the team, everyone, you got to look at, is this person going to fit into that puzzle, right? Where, and they don't have to be identical. We're not looking for like the same people, right? Everyone's different, has their own personalities, but culturally are they set where they know when the going gets tough, it's time to roll up our sleeves and keep going. Right. And so for us, how we define our culture, this is actually an exercise we, we do almost yearly too. It's like, we figure out, we to know what our found core foundational cultural pieces are. We go around. So our team, we do quarterly offsites. Every quarter we meet outside of the office because I find it's very important. You have to be in a different place where you can think differently and not feel like you're in the office and I got to get to emails and whatnot. So quick aside on that. I keep, I always see your picture when you post that you're doing your, at least your annual one up yep. at uh, Wisconsin. Yep. Lake and Geneva. we we've done our annual one up there historically as well. So it just like brings me back to yeah. doing our business planning up there as well. Yeah, it makes a difference because you're taking yourself out, out of your home and uh, element to think a little differently, right? Yeah. So when we do our quarterly offsite, something annually what we do is we go around and everyone answers this question of Weinberg Choi is a culture of blank, right? And we go around and we look for themes. I'll give you an example. One of our foundational pieces Weinberg Choi is a culture of celebrating. We like to celebrate each other. So what this allows us to do is not just saying, okay, now everyone knows that that's a piece of our culture. Going back to systems and modeling, we literally have a system for celebrating. We have on a piece of paper what what that means. Because if you got to treat culture, it's your foundational piece of your business. You need to make sure that there's a system to it. So we know what does that mean? That means everyone's birthday we celebrate by going out and lunch. That means every month we're giving back to, to the community through our 365 days of giving, right? Because that's important to us and we celebrate that. Any gala sales awards, we're going out together and we're celebrating. Uh, we're doing team 
uh, like right now for Zoom, or when in this COVID world, right, we're doing monthly game, uh, Zoom game nights where we all get together and we do like last night was our game and we did uh, trivia. So it's having this out there and, and, and put in as a plan because one, it helps you from a financial standpoint, you budget this out and that shows people that it's important. Yeah, no, this isn't like, hey, can we do this? It's no, you have to do this because we have money set aside for this, right? Setting up that understanding, defining what that culture is, that's where we look and I'm not looking to see like, oh yeah, OB, he looks like he can, he can get down and celebrate. It's, it's making sure that this person is in culture with what we are. That's 80% of it. The talent piece is a 20%, but I know that as long as there is talent, it's, you know, a plus we will, our mindset is we're not, we don't hire to fill a position. We, we look for a plus talent. We hire that person and we figure out a role for them because we know organizationally, especially if they're in culture, that's going to benefit everyone. Right. So that being said, it's not like we're just like, Oh, you're, you're talent, you're talent, you're talent. We're hiring on a hundred people at a time. One, it's hard to find a plus talent, but two, what we do is we obviously have a job post of a position we're looking for, but when we come across someone, we're like, no, 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 this person would be terrible at this because this is not what they're passionate about. We also hire that person to figure out what that role is. So you, you talked about celebration and, and the role that that plays. I think this is a good point to talk about service and gratitude too, because I know that yeah. those are big values for you. You mentioned briefly the 365 days of giving. Would you tell a little bit about service and gratitude, maybe together, or maybe they're separate. I, I don't know how you think about them, but how, what role those values play within your organization? Yeah, then that, that's a great question. And gratitude is one of our cultural foundational points, you know, as we are a culture of gratitude. And what that means is, is the mindset of, of being grateful for every position we're in, whether it's a reason to celebrate or it's because we failed forward and we made a complete mistake, but being grateful that we were able to be in this position and we're going to learn from it. Gratitude is something that's super important to us where um, it's implemented every day. So every day our team, we meet um, together, 8.30 team huddle. And it's for 30 minutes and it consists of um, four things, right? Gratitude, housekeeping, choke points, and inspiration. So gratitude, we all start our day off by expressing what we're grateful for. And it's not, the whole point of this is I feel that gratitude is like a muscle, right, in our brain. Um, and you would know more about muscles in your body because you're, I'm a chubby Asian guy and you're a way more, you're like Captain America. But I do know from when I was a, a three-sport high school athlete is that if you don't work out your, your muscles, right, what happens? It builds fat, right? You don't, it, it's not in shape. You, you lose mobility, right, flexibility of it. And so we treat gratitude like it's a muscle. And, and if we're not working out our gratitude and, and expressing what we're grateful for on a daily basis, it's hard to find the gratitude in those moments when stuff hits the fan. Right. And, well, and, and happiness science will back you up on that. Yeah. It, it is a muscle. It's the reason, you know, there's a great, um, the five minute journal is great. Yes. I do that. I start my day off with that. Do you? I yeah. Come I haven't used that in a while. I, I used it for about a year and a half. Um, 
but it's great. And it, for those who don't know what it is, it's every page is a day and you start your morning with three things you're thankful for, three visions for the day that would make that day great. Yep. And then I forget what the, there's one other and, thing. And then, and then, and then it's your, your mantra or whatever your, yes. your cadence is. And then you review at the end of the night of, you know, what, what you did and yeah. Yeah, exactly. What, what went well and exactly. what, could, what could make it better. Yeah. So right. it is a muscle and it is, there's tremendous value. It, it, it creates abundance too. Yeah, totally. And, and, and you know what it is? It's interesting is that especially when we have new team members, it's you, you see the muscle not being built or that they have to build up their gratitude strength because, you know, the first day it's like, oh, I'm grateful for this job. The next day is I'm grateful for family. Then it's I'm grateful for health. It's all these overarching things that, yes, of course, I'm grateful for my kids, right? But I don't need to really say that or remind myself because that's, that's a pretty big gratitude stone. Then what happens is they start to fumble like, um, what am I grateful for, right? Where everyone else is like, I'm grateful for Tiger King. You know, I, I, had, I was going nuts and that was the exact mental break I needed and it helped me become a better parent for my kids because I literally just vegged out for 60 minutes, you know, being super specific about the little things because the little things is where you build up, I think, that gratitude muscle memory. And for me, I know going through other recessions, gratitude is recession proof. That's what got me through, you know, the tough times. And so that's why that's been such a big piece. Um, and it's a, it's a cultural uh, part of, um, of, our, of our business. And that, how that transcends is to, you know, you touched on it, our give back program, which is called 365 Days of Giving. And what that is, is every month we choose a nonprofit. Uh, we, liked, we always like it and attention is to be as someone that's an organization that's a local nonprofit that's impacting the communities that we are working in and serving in. And we're figuring out three ways to support them, whether it's capital, raising money, um, it's raising awareness, or giving back sweat equity and physically volunteering for something. And sometimes it's a combination of all three or one or two. And so we've been doing that for, gosh, I want to say five years now. Um, and, and it's fun. It, it's, it's, it's awesome. And the cool thing about that is it's turned into, and it obviously it's not meant to be this, but it's turned into client appreciation events because so many clients, they see it and they know, and we would get a lot of feedback of like, gosh, it's so awesome. You guys do this. I always want to like do give back. And I always be like, well, why, well, why don't you just volunteer somewhere? Like, well, I, I don't really know how to. You know, and that's the biggest thing I find is a lot of people want to, they just don't know how to. And, and uh, some, yeah, that hurdle of figuring out the first right, step. right, exactly. And we know there's two types of people. At least I I find is there's always the people that raise their hand and say I'll do it, and there's some people that need to get nudged a little bit. And there's no right or wrong or good or bad in that. It's just how people are wired. And those people, they're like, yeah, I need to. They need a little nudge in the right direction. Now we've said, hey, do you want to come with us to Ronald McDonald House and serve dinner? And they're like, really? I would love that. And so it's been a fun way to connect with our you know, clients and past clients and serve together. Um, and the crazy thing in that, unintentionally, it's led to obviously business opportunities and referrals and things like that too. So 
that's 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 always been ingrained into our DNA, a big part of of who we are is to that give back piece. That's a great idea. I might have to steal that for some of my Do clients it. too. I have clients that would love doing that. Yeah. So this is I, I think about this when I have conversations or or hear people talk about their business the way that you talk about it. I love it. Sounds great. You're getting people to tell their life story. You're getting them to set a vision, which is amazing and helps people turn on in a way maybe they weren't turned on before. You're doing all these service projects. You're sitting down. You're expressing gratitude. When's the work get done? <laughs> Great question. So for us, we are huge uh, about time blocking, right? And so, you know, a lot of people will ask, that and even personally like dude I, you know you know this but i have three daughters you know eight five and two henley momo and mayor uh and an amazing supportive wife uh, we both have that in common as well and you know people are like how do you even like how are you a husband and you know uh, a parent as well and it comes down to this right balance this word right and and a lot of people throw around uh, work-life balance. And I, and I don't, that's a concept I don't believe in. I think it's just life balance, right? Cause work, it falls in under life. You have to work in order to live, um, to a certain degree. And so when we come, when you break it down to that life and balance, it goes down to another theory, this idea of time management. And I, and I understand the concept of time management, However, for face value, what time management means, I also disagree with because you can't manage time, right? I can't say, you know, OB, I'm going to tell time to stop and let's go watch Avengers Endgame for three hours. And when we're done, we'll say, okay, go ahead, right? We're not like, um, you know, uh, um, uh, what's his name? Zach from uh, Saved by the Bell, right? The, doing the timeouts. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. But what 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 I the fourth wall breaking the fourth wall. Right. And so, what I've what I've kind of grasped instead of time management is activity management because that's what we can control is the activity we choose to do in the time that we're given and we're all given the same amount, same allotment. And so, how we audit that is through time blocking, which obviously is not a new concept. Um, so how we figure this out and an awesome book. One of my favorite books, the one thing written by Gary Keller and Jay Papasan talks about this, this idea of multitasking, how it's actually just like counterintuitive because for your brain to start a task, stop and then start a new task and stop that time it takes to roll that momentum, right? You're not actually being more productive. Um, whereas if you just said, you know what, for the next hour, I'm going to bang out emails. You're going to get, way more done than if you were doing it every 10 minute increments and bouncing back and forth. So that book was a big aha for us. And so we know this, we have a saying on our team where we have to win the day before noon, right? Meaning before lunch, what is our one thing that we need to get done that if when we go to bed tonight, as long as we did that, we know we can go to bed easy saying like today was an awesome productive day right? And for the salespeople, it's lead generation, right? Whether we close a deal, get a deal under contract or not, going back to, you know, what I was saying on time blocking, nine o'clock to 11 o'clock, Monday through Friday, every single person, including myself in the office is on the phone for two hours calling our database, right? That's, that's the one thing if 
whether I put together a deal or not, if I go to bed and I put in two hours of good conversations, I'm happy. I'm great and ready to move on. You've moved the ball forward. Exactly. And so yeah. that's how we get our stuff done is that we know, I mentioned 830 t- team huddle till nine o'clock, 911, it's lead generation, right? Not even follow up. It's new opportunities, calling past clients. We're generating opportunities for the future. Then from 11 to 12, that's our time to follow up on stuff. Following up with, you know, I met with OB last night about, you know, selling his house. I'm going to follow up with him and see, you know, if there's any questions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the time for that. Then from 12, from noon on for the rest of your day, I don't care what you do, right? Because you were productive and I, because you're in culture, I trust that you can do something good. And that's when we are usually doing our service stuff, 365 days of giving, uh, client appreciation vets, whatever it is going on, you know, buyer consultation, listing consultations, whatever, right? We know that by before lunch, we've won the day so we can do whatever. So the funny thing is, right, social media, I love it. And also I hate it in times where because what happens is you see that we're giving back here or we're doing this and this and this because we're not posting about, hey, just made you know 75 phone calls today. People don't see that piece. So they're thinking, well, when do you work and whatnot? But it is, you know, having that focused time to block out activities that you can control in the time that you're given in that day. And I think what you're not saying, but is in that answer is it takes less time if you use your time more effectively. Yes. You nailed it. Yeah. You 100%. I got to go back and look at my schedule. I, (laughs) I, I have tried several times uh, to get closer to that. The nature of what I do, meetings will get scheduled in the morning, but I, but I find that when I can stick to that schedule, I feel better because to your point, I like my circadian rhythm, I lull in the early afternoon. Yep. And so from like one thirty ish to three thirty ish, I'm not great at doing a heads down task. And yep. so if I am trying to do a heads down task in that point, that's when I get distracted when I wind up on social media or when I walk around the office and talk to random people and which is great culture yep. building, but totally. I, I waste a lot of time. So what I've tried to do is get all the heads down work done in the morning and then meet with people in the afternoon. Yeah. Because in a social too. interaction, then it's great. Then I don't lull as much. And yeah. so, yeah, I think figuring out, um, I, I think it's Daniel Pink. Is that the author? Daniel Pink? Uh, I'm not he, familiar. He has a, uh, a great book called When. When? I'm and it's all sound. about that. I mean, you, you could probably skim it because you're already doing it, but it's just all about figuring out what your energy levels are and then building your schedule to meet your energy levels. It's so smart. Yeah. I mean, here's the thing. Uh, I'm the same way and that's why, so I've time blocked around that. I've hacked it. So I'm, I'm full foolproof is that knowing, okay, one, if I don't eat lunch, I'm the most miserable person to be around, right? I get hangry. And so obviously I time block my lunch. And for me, I, that's an activity I'm, I don't like to do alone, right? I want to break bread with somebody because it's a good use of our time and I have to eat. And you've been a part of it because we've broken bread together during those lunch times. That's how we met. At, that's uh, how we met. The, din- the dinner that you guys Yeah, had. exactly. Yeah. So that's time blocked out. And then 
the only thing that's time blocked out in my afternoons is from three to four. And to your point, that's my time where I'm just like, you give me like, put me in front of the screen. I'm just going to be on Facebook the whole time because I'm, I don't want to be doing anything, but I can meet someone and interact with that person. And that's when I need a caffeine boost. So three to four is when I do my coffee meetings. So anytime, because that's time blocked out, my assistant, Allie, she knows if someone reaches out, wants to have coffee, the option, or they want to meet, the options are cool. You can have lunch with TC at noon or have coffee in his office at three o'clock. And so then that's built out as well too. And part of what's helped me, here's what helps me audit because I still need to work on it constantly. I'm always adapting. Um, what's time blocked into my Sunday evenings from eight o'clock to 10 o'clock, I put as uh, ideation time, right? That's a time when I'm not in my inbox, computer's not on, literally pad a paper and pen and I'm working on my business and not in my business, right? I'm working on moving the needle forward and advancing different things and concepts we've been working on. I hijack about 20 minutes of that two hour time block to what's called dashboard time. And that's where Sunday evening, I look at my next seven days. I was never doing that. But because I had a time block, I'm like, oh, I'm good. I don't need to because I know what I'm doing. But it makes such a huge difference because it allows you to audit yourself weekly. And so during my dashboard time, I look and in each calendar event I have, and even the ones that are time blocked, knowing like my coffees, right? If I'm meeting with you, OB, I'm asking myself for each time block and activity I'm putting out there, does, do, does me having coffee with O'Brien help me get closer to achieving my goal? And the answer is no. I send a message to Allie and I, I don't say, get coffee the next time. <laughs> I say, change that coffee to a 15 minute phone call with O'Brien, you know? Yeah. And then I know now Monday morning, I need to get in the office. And when I'm lead generating, I'm looking and I'm seeing if there's two or three holes now because I've audited myself and, and, and called an audible. I need to find someone to have coffee and lunch with these days that are going to help me achieve my goals. And so, you know, obviously being tongue in cheek, you would be never someone that I would, you know, bounce a call, but let's say this and no offense to lenders in my industry, right? A lot of lenders want to meet with realtors because, you know, there's a business opportunity to, to grow together. Well, I'm always, my policy is I always take the first phone call because I was someone's first phone call. Now, if Allie didn't know better and scheduled a lunch with a lender, well, that would just be a waste of their time and my time because I have my relationships, but I want to take that first call. And that's why I say, Allie, let's just pivot this into a 15 minute phone call and see if we can, maybe there's an opportunity to work with each other. Otherwise I'm going to spend the 45 minutes having lunch with someone that I can pour into or it can pour into me and find opportunities to help each other with. Right. So that's a huge piece of that whole, when you said, yeah, work on your time block, I work on it weekly because I'm auditing myself. Yeah. Well, I know we're getting to the end of time here. Uh, I do have just one or two more questions if that's okay. Of course. Um, and I did one observation here too, because I, I think a lot about my business and I think about the types of people that I work best with one that I like working with, but two, where we can really help people. And what I've realized is the people that we can help the most are those people who are turned on and trying to move the ball forward. Yes. They're, they're people who have thought critically about what they're trying to do and are doing 
taking actions to move that ball forward. And yes, what I love about everything that you've said over the last hour or so here is it, you are helping your own workforce do that pragmatically. You know, you've, you've learned the lessons of doing that. And then, and you are actually building that strength within your workforce, which I just can't underscore enough how awesome that is and how important that is for the people that work for you. I mean, that's, that's really cool. I, I think about the importance of that being turned on all the time and you've systematized it. Yeah, no, I appreciate the the kind words. And that's the thing. It's, you know, I always tell people in, in my industry, in the real estate side, when people come and meet with myself or Josh and they say, Hey, like, I want to pick your brain because I want to build a team and whatnot. And, and it, the first question I always ask is, you know, well, why, why do you want to like, what can't you achieve today by yourself or your current situation that you feel like you will achieve uh, with the team and hiring and growing people? That's a great question. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's the same thing when people always ask about partnerships. It's funny because Josh and I are a partnership. I'm the first person to say, don't get into business with someone else because we've beat the, beaten the odds on that. But I'll ask that. What, so what, what is this person, what can you accomplish with this person that you can't do right now? And a lot of the times when I ask that, when it comes to team, it's the answer is revolved around more production, which equates to more revenue and money. And I always tell that person, I'm not saying money is a bad thing, but that's that you're not going to, you're not going to be all in on this person's personal and professional development because it's just a bottom line you're trying to hit and you're going to have a revolving door. You're not going to focus on culture because you're trying to scale because you just want to make more money. And that's not a bad thing, like I said, but for me, there's, it's not about that. That's a result, but it's about collectively, right? being able to impact as many people as possible, right? Our vision and our mission, our mission is to help build legacies of our clients, friends, and family by supporting their perfect real estate experience. And so for us building legacies, we know Josh and I can't do that alone because we hit that ceiling already seven years ago. And so we know that we need good people that we're invested in. That's the stuff that keeps me up at night. And here's what culture looks like. I'll give you real time is that, you know, um, and I think it's so important because I've been on so many panels, you know, I speak a lot and during this time. There's so many like virtual panels, which I love and all these educational events, but there's so many people I'm on stage with that. And I get it. You have to kind of, you know, puff your chest out a little and, you know, you've got to flex and you're like, yeah, I have all my stuff together and then, you know, blah, 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 blah. But I'm the first to say, listen, I have my stuff together, but I'm not bulletproof. And I think it's so important for anyone listening too, to, to know that any worries or concerns you have with your organization, just because I'm at this place that maybe some people are like, oh, I want to get to there. I have those same thoughts, right? We have a deep reserve that we can protect our people during this time when people can't really even show properties right now. But I still lose sleep at night because I'm worried about these people. And the way that I'm worried, I'm thinking like, man, should we have five years worth of reserves in accounts? You know, which is, of course, no one has that kind and no one should. Yeah. But that's, that's, 
that's how we're wired. And I think it's important to acknowledge that feeling and that, and, and what culture does is this, while I'm having these thoughts in my head, and of course, Josh is the only person I'm able to share this with, then you have people on our staff call us privately and say, hey, I can't even imagine what you guys are going through right now as, as business owners. I just want you to know, if you need it, I'm more than willing to take a, a temporary salary reduction, right? Wow. Like, I still get goosebumps. Like, that's, yeah. that's culture, that's stuff you can see, feel, or you can only feel that, right? Yeah. And so that's why we, we take so much pride into pouring into each one of our, our people to really help them achieve their goals. Because we know that once, like I said, that when they're thinking bigger and we can help them check their boxes, indirectly they are checking our boxes and our world's getting bigger. You know? So I think you've answered my last question, but it's one that I've been asking everybody, which is what is the purpose of business? Purpose of business is solving people's problems, you know, and, and, and it's, and it goes both ways. Cause people, when I say that people think the consumer side and yeah, there's that piece, you know, something I always, I've learned in the last 14 years in this industry we're in is that when you solve other people's problems, they will solve your problems, right? When I can figure out a way to make a deposit and be of value to UOB, you're going to naturally, the way that you're wired as a human, want to help me out in some sort of way, right? And typically that's with opportunity. And so that's a consumer side, but more importantly, the people side of business that we're talking about, it's the same thing. What I'm doing, what Josh is doing is solving our people, our teammates, our staff's problems. And indirectly, they are or directly, they are solving our problems, which is building out more systems, auditing our systems, you know, uh, managing salespeople, right? Giving us leverage so we can focus on moving the organization forward and not be into the business. And that's what I think the purpose of business is, is, is discovering a need and solving that, presenting an, an option to say, hey, this could help you out. And that's not just consumer facing, it's also your people under the hood of the car. And, and that, that's ultimately what we do when we focus on. Nothing we do is really about real estate. You know, it's about people. I think that's a, a great place to wrap up because I think that's a, a fantastic answer. So I, uh, thank, I thank you for spending your time doing this today. Uh, I know we're in the afternoon, so I think I maybe hit your time block of people stuff. But I, I really do appreciate your time because I know you have a lot going on. I know you got a family and a business to run. So hey, thank so you for do doing you. this. I, I think all of this is fascinating and super helpful for people. And I think I hope that nobody listens who is listening to this thinks like, oh, well, he's got a small business and that doesn't apply to me and my big business. Because I think everything that we're talking about, all the principles still apply in how you lean into your teams and how you solve problems for people, both internal and external. I mean, I think all of that translates, whether you're at a billion dollar business or like, you know, your parents running a business with maybe one or two part-time people. I, I think all of this applies. So thank you for making the time. And thank uh, you, I my love, man. I love the conversation. I could, I could ask you questions for another three hours here, but I'll, I'll give you your Friday afternoon back. <laughs> hey, I'm grateful for you and who you are to me. And just, uh, dude, you inspire me. So 
appreciate you. I love that you're doing this. So many people are going to be impacted by not, not because of what I said, but just the platform you're providing for them to listen. Well, I appreciate that. Gratitude all around going into the weekend is a good way to go. All right, brother. Tell Caitlin I say hello. All right. Will do. Same to Tasha. We'll see you. Bye. Peace. Hey, folks. One last thing before you go. If you have a friend or colleague who you think would enjoy this episode, hit that little share button and send it their way. Also, if you like the episode, make sure to hit subscribe so you don't miss the next one. That's it. Thanks for coming. I'm O'Brien McMahon. Go make the most of your business and the people in it.